You unlock this door with the key of imagination. Beyond it is another dimension. A dimension of sound. A dimension of sight. A dimension of mind. You're moving into a land of both shadow and substance, of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the Twilight Zone. What is happening? It's on the You're listening to the AME Radio Show. Welcome to the Amy Radio Show. I'm your host, Jason Dowd, and it is a beautiful Saturday afternoon here. We just got through Black Friday. Hopefully, everybody made it through safely and nobody got hurt or injured. Yet, they got all the the deals and stuff that they wanted for their gifts for Christmas and everything else that's coming up. This is now turning the tide from Thanksgiving, and now we're looking towards Christmas to finish up the holiday season. This is my favorite time of year. It's a year full of joy and compassion and being thankful for what you have. And that's really what I'm going to be doing the last part of the year. You know, this year has been so busy and I have been able to do so many amazing things. Um, It's time to sit back and really just dwell on what I've done and really be thankful for what I've accomplished. Uh, You know, we've managed to accomplish our own uh, television network, which is something we were talking about for a long time, finally made it come true. We got some great shows going on that, the IAS Broadcasting Network. Um, I've done some really cool pieces for my artwork this year. Uh, finally got through and got the Illusionist completed, and we're going to be doing those here shortly and getting those out into uh, Epcot and other places for you to see them. Uh, we have managed to do a great and beautiful award-winning um, music video to Lilith Rising, and we are on the plans for for new stuff. So, like I said, there's so many cool things that are going on right now. I just want to sit back and bask in it. And uh, also, as I was talking about on my television show, we have seen so much history being made in just a few months. Um, we have seen the Red Moon. We have seen the Star of David. We saw the 1908 curse of the Chicago Cubs get broken and they win the World Series and we saw Donald Trump win the election and what's amazing about his election isn't necessarily if he's Republican or Democrat that really doesn't matter but looking back at all the 44 presidents that we've ever had all of them have had something in common which was they have either been or served as a general or high-ranking officer in the uh, army or they have been elected to some type of office, whether it be in state or federal level. Uh, so they have some type of political background. Two of them, however, were not like that. And that was Taft and Hoover. Now, these two guys, they did have some type of experience, but it really wasn't the experience you're expecting. They were not elected. They were actually high-ranking federal officials. Now, Donald Trump is the only one that has never served in the Army, he has never served in any type of federal government job, and he was never elected to any position. So this is truly a, a uh, 240-year uh, momentous occasion going on. So this is kind of an exciting year for everything. I'm just starting to wonder if it's the end of the, if it's the, end of the world. I mean, my God, look at all this stuff that's going on. All right, guys, so we have two great guests coming up for you guys this evening. We have Emily Peachy, and she's talking about her brand new movie coming out. We're also talking to Animal Defenders International about their brand new documentary coming out that exposes animal abuse in circuses. That's something I've known about for a long time. I've never really been a big fan of circuses, but after listening to her interview, I guarantee you, you're going to sit there and think twice about going to a circus. So, guys, that is all we have coming up right now. I'm going to invite everybody to go to our website, www.theamemagazine.com. You can check us out 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year, completely free. Anything that you want to know that's going on with the AME Magazine is there. You can see our television travel adventures. You can see all of our past guests that we've had on our radio show and all of our upcoming guests that we have. Listen to past shows. It's all there and a lot of great celebrity interviews on the AME Magazine. So check that out. If you're on Facebook, check us out there too. Like us at facebook.com forward slash the AME Experience. And you can go to Twitter, which is twitter.com forward slash Dowd Studios. That is my personal Twitter. That is the AME Experiences Twitter and my studio's Twitter all smooshed into one. All right, guys, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. We're going to come back with our first interview with Emily Peachy. So don't go away. 
The AMFM 24-7 Roku channel broadcasts all of our shows on demand. To ensure reliability, we store and stream our content on the same servers as Netflix and Amazon. Our Roku channel is free to use, and anyone owning one of the more than 10 million Roku devices can watch our channel at no cost whatsoever. If you have a television show or are thinking about producing a show, you can be a part of AMFM 24-7's Roku channel. Watch our great shows on your Roku device. It's free and more reliable than cable TV. Are you stuck with a timeshare? Did you attend the presentation and were seduced and enticed into buying that great vacation and investment? Now you're in the terrible position of trying to figure out a way to get out of that mess. You're not alone. For over 15 years, BuyYourTimeshare.com has been helping people like yourself get out of timeshare ownership. The fact is there is no resale market. Unscrupulous telemarketers call you and say they have buyers waiting, and the next thing that happens is you give them hundreds of dollars for an ad, and you'll never hear from them again. Another fact is that an identical timeshare to yours is being offered on eBay for a dollar, and no one is buying it. If you want out of your timeshare, I urge you to go to buyyourtimeshare.com or call them at 877-94-HELP-ME. That number again is 877-94-HELP-ME. Buyyourtimeshare.com. That's buyyourtimeshare.com. 877-94-HELP-ME. 877-94-HELP-ME. A teacher holds the power to make a huge difference in the lives of students. Dee Dee Ritman's new book, Student Teaching, The Inside Scoop from a Master Teacher, will help both new teachers and veteran teachers to be the best teachers they can be, impacting students' lives one day at a time. Available at ddritman.com or amazon.com. Again, that's ddritman.com, D-E-D-E-R-I-T-T-M-A-N.com. Hey guys, this is Jen Lilly. You can check out my new Christmas CD, Tinsel Time, on my website, jenlilly.com, on iTunes, Amazon, and wherever digital media is sold. This is Andrea Tanteros from the Fox News Channel and author of the new bestseller, Tied Up the Knots. You're listening to AME Radio. Welcome back, everybody. I have on the line with me a very special guest. Her name is Emily Peachy, and you've seen her in her teen drama, the Fault in Our Stars, and now she's going to be talking to us about a brand new adventure that she has going on called The American Pastoral. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hi, good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. So let's start with your background and how you got into acting. What made you want to be an actress? I kind of, well, I got into acting the most random way possible. I've always had um, a passion for it, and um, through high school and college, I did it on the side. And after college, I actually decided to go to law school. And on my first day of law school, I got Fault in Our Stars. And I was like, you know what? I think I want to explore acting full time. And now that's that's what I do. And I've booked several roles since then. And it's been awesome. But it's totally not what I was expecting at all. Well, that makes it so much better. I mean, and honestly, honestly, acting's got to be a lot more fun than sitting in a stuffy uh, courtroom and listening to people complain all day. I think so, too. I mean, they got to me like my first day of law school and they're like, what kind of law do you want to practice? And I was like, I think I want to be an actress. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, not the ideal law student, but that's okay. <laughs> It works, and that you know that's what makes our dreams so special when you do achieve them. Because obviously, that was burning inside of you, and it was meant to be. So, it was so meant to be, yes, yeah. absolutely. Now, did you go to school for it? Did you did you take any acting classes in high school, or get into the drama department, or anything like that? You know, I was in theater in high school, but um, no, I didn't major in it. I was a communications major in college. Um, it was always something that I, I did on the side, and I would audition and stuff. Um, you know, on the side, and I did take like acting classes outside of school in high school. But, um, but no, as far as like any formal um, education, uh, I didn't have any formal education in acting. So, yeah, it was very random. Now, there are so many different aspects to acting. I mean, you have movies, you have television, you have theater, you have commercials, you have so many different things. What right. has what is your favorite form of acting? Is it in the theaters or is it on TV? Is it in movies? Because I know they're so different. You know, I, I, each of them have good qualities about them. So it's hard to pick what your favorite is. I mean, I think theater training is so crucial at the beginning because it helps you memorize 
your lines and long scenes, which is something that you don't have to do in film or television because you have to memorize like your lines throughout the entire play in theater and you can't mess up where, you know, in, in film or television, you know, you can do it a thousand times and you can mess up and it's okay. And so I think theater is a great way to start because it does give you, it does give you that foundation, but you know, all of them have, have, you know, really great parts about them. Um, I think television, television is cool because, um, the crew and the cast uh, have been together for a while usually. So it runs really smooth, like a really well-oiled machine. But then, you know, m- movies are fun too, because you get the hype and, you know, there's a premiere and it's cool. And, you know, so I think there are good parts to everything and, and commercials are cool too. Cause you see it, you know, you see yourself on TV and, you know, everybody, it's something that everybody sees and it's, it's fun. It's cool. One of the things that I know about acting, and it's probably one of the most daunting tasks of the entire thing isn't necessarily going out and, and just you know having the role and doing it. It's auditioning for a role because there's so many yes. roles that you can be and you have to impress. How do you right. prepare for something like that? Oh, gosh. Well, um, you know, it depends, obviously, about, on what the role is. But, um, yeah, I think, I think auditioning is, is definitely the toughest part. Um, going in and just getting as much information about the project as you possibly can. Like when I get an audition... I always look to see, you know, who's directing it, who wrote it, who's producing it. And then I look at their past projects to see if there's, you know, a pattern and something that they like or that they have a specific style. So, you know, um, how to prepare a script. And I think being off book is definitely crucial too. Um, a lot of auditions, they say you don't have to be, but I feel like you're more in the scene if you don't have to keep looking down at your script, if you know what you're about to say. I understand that totally. Now, you know, when you are presented with scripts, obviously there's lots of opportunities out there. Not necessarily will they all come to pass, but there are some people that are selective for things. What would be something that you would absolutely turn down a role for for any reason? Um, gosh, that's a tough question. I don't know. Like if I, if it, if there was another project, like what a, what project I would turn down it turn something down for. Yeah, or just a role or something like that. Maybe there's something in there you just don't like. What would what would cause you to say, I don't want to do that just because of it's it's against my religion or it's against my beliefs or you know, I don't wanna I don't wanna do it because I don't wanna like, you know, be topless or, or implied yeah. news or anything like that. Something like that. I think it's like a case by case basis. I really do. Like overall, I don't like to do nudity at all. Um but you know, I don't know. I feel like there's always exceptions to the rule. I, I mean, for me, I, I don't want to do nudity. But if you're faced with a role like Wolf of Wall Street, like Margot Robbie, I don't know. Would you turn it down? I don't know. I don't know. There's nothing that I could say. Like, I would absolutely say no to this all the time, every time, unless it was like, you know, really hardcore or something. But um, yeah, I mean, nudity, I'm not a fan of, but I don't know. Would you ever be afraid of, like, if you did turn down on a role for any reason that it might blackball you in the industry? Oh, gosh, yes. I'm worried about that all the time. Even when I'm, like, sick and can't go to an audition, I'm like, oh, my gosh, did, did I get blackballed today? Like, I'm, oh, I'm <laughs> constantly worried about that. Yes. Ask, ask my mom. Ask my agent. Ask my manager. I, every step of the way, I'm worried about that. Yes. <laughs> now, being in, in the uh, industry for a while and, and going through all this, what advice would you give to somebody that is trying to become an actress herself and knowing that, you know, the roles are different for men and women. What's some of the things that women have to encounter in the industry, maybe that men don't. And what is your advice to, to them to help them get to where they want to be? I think just be strong and, and do your thing. Um, stay true to who you are. I think, you know, the industry is a very, it's a different world. Cause like, it's not a world that I grew up in at all. Um, so when I, when I'm playing in, in these fields, it's definitely very different. And there are a lot of issues that come up for women, but I say, just be true to yourself and, you know, do your thing. And, uh, yeah. Now, as far as, uh, as far as acting goes for you, what is your favorite part of acting? I love to find out what everybody has to think about it. Cause there's so many different answers and, and it's so fascinating to, to see what makes acting so special for everybody. What's it for you? To jump out of your comfort zone and to be somebody totally different than who you are in real life. I think that's so cool. Because um, naturally, I'm very, like, bubbly. I'm very upbeat. And I think it's really cool um, to jump out of that and play something that you just aren't. You know, if you're, like, playing, like, a mean girl or, like, a serial killer or just, you know, somebody who's, like, gothic, somebody, somebody like, totally different 
that would never be you. It gives you the opportunity to like explore all of these different personalities. And um, yeah, it's really cool. I think that's awesome. Now, with the role that you played on in The Fault of Our Stars and in also in American Pastoral, how close are they to your actual uh, personality or who you are as a person? Or are they completely different in why? Um, well, in Fault in Our Stars, I played a teenager who was just obsessed with her boyfriend um, to an extent. Like in my scene, I was very much into the PDA. So, um, yeah, that's not really me at all, at all. <laughs> So um, I kind of just had to channel other people that I had watched and being in high school and people just, you know, making out like in front of the lockers and stuff. And it's like totally the most inappropriate time. And so I, I just kind of like observed <laughs> people around me and channeled that for that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was kind of a, a different kind of different for me because I'm, I'm very much not that person. But um, yeah. And uh, American Pastoral, um, I had a pretty quick scene. But um, it wasn't anything that was very far out of my comfort zone at all. So if you could actually have something that's far out of your comfort zone, what type of role would that be? I would want to play like a badass, just like a total badass. I don't even know like in what, but I think it would be just really cool because like I said, I'm like, you know, the little Elle Woods over here. I'm like super perky, super bubbly. (laughs) So I think it'd be really cool if I was just, if I just did some crazy role where I'm just, you know badass with like a gun and i don't know just something really cool like that so you're like you're one of those girls that if they got upset everybody like oh how cute and and you know it's like they they have a hard time taking you seriously but you just be able to yeah i I understand that i i'm the same way serious guys yes no so i think i should i want to be like something like i don't know like laura croft like tomb raider or something just like super badass and everybody be like oh my gosh is that emily like what you know (laughs) and it'd be cool and if you could be any type of um uh, superhero in any of these movies because I know that's a really popular thing right now. What type of superpower would you want to have if you got to play a, a, a heroine? Well, I don't know if this is a superpower or not, but I would want to fly because I just think that'd be really cool. Wouldn't it? Yes. I mean, I, it would just be so useful in my life. I just feel like, especially like in LA, you know, you could avoid traffic. I think that very often, actually, weirdly often, I'm like, I wish I could fly and just skip over all this traffic. I got to watch um, David Copperfield when I was younger, and he did that flight where he just you know sitting in a box and just levitated. Then he flew up into the into the stage, and they picked some girl up and took her away. And I'm like, <gasps> my God, how cool would that be? I could only imagine what that would be like. That is so cool! Oh my gosh, that is so cool. Did you ever see that episode? I haven't, but I should. Y- yes, you should. If you want to, if you dream of flying, that would be the the thing that would absolutely make you realize maybe this is maybe this is possible. I don't know how he did it without wings. I don't know how he did it without strings, but he what? did it, and I was I was to this day that just that just sends chills down my spine every time I watch that because he actually went outside the theater and just took off. What? I was okay, like, he's just a man. Oh my gosh! Awesome. <laughs> I, I have to go watch this immediately. Yes, you will. It is probably on YouTube somewhere. I'm I'm sure of it. Oh yeah. So tell us a little bit about this new uh, this new movie, American Pastoral. What is the theme of the movie? What's the plot of it? So it's based off of a book, and um, it's an amazing book. Um, and it's Ewan McGregor's directorial debut, which is really cool because he is like my idol, and he is so talented and amazing in every way. Um, and the movie is centered around his daughter. He's supposed to be like. Uh, there's supposed to be like this perfect couple, he and Jennifer Connelly. She's the beauty queen. And um, he was like this athlete in high school. And then their daughter um, actually ends up, I, I don't know, uh, is like a, a terrorist. And she might be, you don't know um, what's going on. And she goes missing. So it's really cool. It's a really cool um, story just to to follow that and to see you know it's just it's cool because it's like you know the two two parents who are like perfect to have a daughter that's like that is is cool to watch Mm -hmm. it's a different different type of story for sure and you know that's actually kind of real in so many ways because you just saw like uh, i believe it was maybe last year or the year before that those two girls that were raised here in america straight a students and they went up and fought for isis Mm -hmm. and it's like exactly wow that could really happen Right. Yeah. So it's it's really a great story. And it, it's true to the book. Um, I read the book when I was initially cast. I, I read it that day. And it's it's very true to the book. It's a it's a great 
film I saw it a couple weeks ago. It's amazing. I'm so happy and so proud to be a part of it. It is unbelievable. So how close is the movie to the book? Because I've, hear, I've heard in so many different like things that, oh, the book is nothing like the movie. The movie's uh, either so much better or so much worse than the book is. What is it like in this one? Is it close? I think it's pretty close. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you have to tweak certain things. Um, especially, um, the novel's pretty long. So, you know, you have to condense that down to two hours. Um, so obviously, you know, there are parts that are different, but, um, overall, I think it's very true, very true to the book. I, I read the book and the script back to back. So, um, it was cool because I got to compare them, um, pretty quickly. Um, and it was, uh, it's, it's pretty dead on, pretty dead on. And what was your role in the, uh, in, in the American Pastoral and why did you choose it? Um, well, I, I, um, play a young nurse in the movie and I was lucky enough to have the opportunity. Honestly, like when I found out that, um, that that's what this movie was and that it was, um, Ewan's directorial debut, I just wanted any role in it. I would have taken anything because it was just, it's such a cool project to be a part of, um, and to see, you know, him really work both sides of the camera because he's also in it as well. So I think that is so cool. And I've, you know, enjoyed his movies for years, the movies that he's acted in. I, I've loved all of them. And I think he's just so talented. So um, when I saw that he was attached to the project, um, I was even more ecstatic. I was, I was like, I, I remember I came out of the audition. I was like, I want this so bad, like even more than like the usual, like actor, I want this part. Like I really wanted this part. What did you do when you when you heard you got it? Oh my gosh, I freaked out. I I actually um, almost crashed my car. I was in the car and I my agent was like so chill about it. Like I never thought that that's what they were gonna say because they were just like, oh hey, like what's up? And then they like switched, did a total like switch on me, and they were like, guess what, you got it. And I was like, oh my god. So I was totally not prepared at all. Um, and, uh, yeah, I almost crashed my car, and then I uh, quickly called everybody I knew to tell them. <laughs> now, after watching this director, and also he was also the director and acting in it as well, would you ever want to try something like that? Absolutely. I mean, I think it's really, really cool. I, I've actually never um, – I've never been in a film where I've seen that done where the director was the star of it as well. So um, it was really cool to see because there's so much work that goes into directing and then obviously being the lead. So um, I think you need to have an incredible amount of talent and really know what you're doing, which Ewan obviously does. I mean, he's he's great. Um but yeah, I would I would definitely love to do that. And I think, you know, you get a better understanding of both roles when you do when you do them. So you get a better understanding of acting when you direct and you get a better understanding of directing when you act. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, it's because he's the lead in it and he's also directing it. He has a lot of um, a lot of uh, himself inside of it. So therefore, it made it probably a little bit easier for the actors to, you know, join into it and, and you know buy into it because he's actually he's actually you know able to help you out on so many different levels he's got he's so into it it's probably more than most people are was was that was that the case in that did it did it make the movie easier to uh to create i think it did i think it did yeah and i got to work um with you and you know he got to help me like with my lines and you know um and with the scene and just breaking it down and, and helping me on that level which is really cool so it you know not only did i get to like say my lines and he was in the scene but he also got to help me um and give me the backstory and tell me you know how how it should be done and what his vision was and it was co so cool to see all of that happen it was it was amazing did you get to change your role a little bit and like put a little bit of yourself into it? Like, obviously, everybody has a backstory, but everybody has to put themselves into that role a little bit and, mm -hmm. and stuff. What was some of the things that you put into that role to make it more identified, uh, identifiable to you? Well, we tried it several different ways. So we kind of played around with it and we, we did different scenarios like, why don't you say it if this was the case? And why don't you say it if that was the case? And it's cool to see how the scene turns out when you have a different backstory, you know, it's really cool. Um, it's like, if you were saying it, you know, I, I don't, we didn't do it this way, but like, if you were scared as opposed to, you know, confident or whatever, and it's cool to see like how the scene changes. So um, we would just, we were just playing around with it and he was like, you know what, try it like this and try it like that. Um, so it was cool. It was very cool to see. 
and what do you hope people get when they walk away from that movie? What do you want them to take home with them? Well, it's a it's a thinker. Like when you leave, you're going to be, um, you know, thinking about it for the next couple days um, and come up with, you know, your own interpretation, which I think is is really cool. And those are the best kinds of movies. Um, and I think that's cool for people to just take away, you know, different things and to just think about it. And uh, yeah, I think it's it's a really cool idea. Very cool movie. Have you run into anybody yet that's seen it, and have you talked to them about it, and were you kind of surprised by anything that they said that they took away from it? Um, the old, uh, Well, the people that I know who have seen it um, have just, you know, contacted me and been like, oh, my God, like, you're in this. This is so cool, um, which is really, really cool. Um, but, yeah, everybody that I've known who's seen it has loved it and has had nothing but amazing things to say um, about the film. And... Um, yeah, so it's it's been really great feedback. See, I love when I when I do an art project and and somebody will come up to me and tell me something that they saw or they got out of my picture, and I'm like, wow, I had no idea that that was even in there, but it did, and it it pulled it out. And then when I started to sit back and listen to what they say, and I can see and I look at it myself, I'm like, mm, I can see that, you know. So it opens my eyes too, and that's that's one of the funnest things about being an artist and getting to talk to people about the stuff that you do. Yeah, it's it's definitely true. And like um, to see people like walk away with it because there are so many different emotions in this movie where people will take away like one of my friends was like, oh, my gosh, you know, I had a really sad. It was sad, you know, and I was like, I didn't get sad from it. You know, I don't know. But, uh, you know, it's cool to see how different people interpret the story. Mm-hmm. Well, we are just about out of time. So please tell everybody how they can uh, see this movie. When's it coming out? Where can they buy it? Where can they view it? And also, where can they view and talk to you if they have uh, any questions that, that they may have? Well, I'm on every social media platform that there is. I am on Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, absolutely everything. Um, so my um, username is at epeach, at E-P-E-A-C-H-H, and it is out in select theaters nationwide. Now, you are on Snapchat. I've tried Snapchat. I don't understand Snapchat, but what, <gasps> really? is, the, what is the best part of it? I, d- I don't understand what to do with it. That's my new favorite thing. I just, I mean, it's so cool because there's all those different filters, you know, and you get to, I don't know if you've like, if you can like, if you've done that, but like, you can like put your face in like all of these different filters. There were Halloween ones and you can make yourself like a bat or a vampire. It's just really cool. It's my new favorite social media platform. I like the filters, but it's like, I have to send it to somebody. I can't just put it on a profile and then it disappears like, like Mission Impossible, you know, it's like. (laughs) <laughs> i think it's kind of cool you just like put it out there and see who wants to watch it it's kind of cool that is cool well emily thank you so much for coming on you've been an amazing guest i cannot wait to see this movie and i cannot wait Yay. to see what else you have coming out in the works i'm sure you got other things brewing yes well wonderful thank you so much for having me you're welcome all right uh we guys we are going to go to a quick commercial break when we come back we got so much more so don't go anywhere Jason Dowd of Imagination Art Studios is proud to announce the release of his steampunk collection, which is currently on tour across the country. There you will see beautiful handmade masks from Venice, Italy that accentuate beautiful women to create amazing stories and feelings to those who visit the collection. Each photo series has a theme, mask, authentic props, and beautifully elaborate outfits, all collaborated in the mind of Jason Dowd to create the right emotion and feeling. The masks come from a shop in Epcot at the Italian Pavilion, where all these photos are on display for you to see. This is one of the biggest accomplishments of his career, having his work at Disney. Come see the beautiful first release of the series, which includes Distressed Dancer, Spanish Serenade, The Pied Piper, and Reaching for the Czars. You can see them in person or online at www.imaginationartstudios.com. For more information, visit the website. Again, it's imaginationartstudios.com. Our Facebook is Imagination Art Studios. Twitter is at Dow Studios. And Instagram is at Jason Dow. Come and be mesmerized by the masks and the stories behind them. This is Vic DiBetetto. You are listening to the AME Radio Show. From our family to yours. Season's greetings from the AME Experience. Now, enjoy this holiday favorite. It's the most wonderful time of the year. 
With the kids jingle belling and everyone telling you be of good cheer. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It's the hap happiest season of all. With those holiday greetings and gay happy meetings when friends come to call. It's the hap happiest season of all. Parties for hosting, marshmallows for toasting, and caroling out in the snow. There'll be scary ghost stories and tales of the glories of Christmases long, long ago. It's the most wonderful time of the year. There'll be much mistletoeing, and hearts will be glowing when loved ones are near. It's the most wonderful time of the year. There'll be scary ghost stories and tales of the glories of Christmases long, long ago. It's the most wonderful time of the year. There'll be much mistletoeing and hearts will be glowing when loved ones are near. It's the most wonderful time. Yes, the most wonderful time. Oh, the most wonderful time. All right, everybody, I have on the line with me a very special guest. She is Jan Kramer, and she's from Animal Defenders International, and they just released a new movie called Lion Ark. Welcome to the show, Jan. How are you doing today? Um, I'm doing very well, thank you, Jason. We've just started our uh, Lion Ark tour. The DVD comes out this month, and so we're touring the U.S. Um, to, um, ha so it has its last uh, um, theater run. We did uh, very well in the festival, so um, it's great to be here, and it's great to be talking to you today. Well, congratulations on the success and the release of the movie and everything, and uh, that's a big feat to do. I, I've talked to a lot of producers and a lot of people that do a lot of movies, and it's not easy to do this, and to be able to have some success with it is phenomenal, so congratulations. Thank you so much. Um, I think what's really special to, um, to us is that uh, a lot of the awards that the movie has won have been uh, audience choice awards, and that, that means you know that it's actually the audiences who are really loving it. Absolutely. Now, give us a little bit of background about what Animal Defenders International is. Um, yes. Uh, well, we, the, the story starts. Uh, I can tell you about Animal Defenders International and the movie in one, really, because the the story is about a rescue of 25 lions from Bolivia, and we brought them up to the U.S. to a sanctuary in Colorado. And um, basically, the story starts um, really way back in 2002, when um, uh, Tim Phillips, uh, the director of Lion Ark, and uh, myself, we were in Chile, and uh, we rescued a, a chimpanzee from a circus. And we took him back to Africa. And there was such a lot of support from people in South America that we decided we should do more work there. And we got a group of the guys to work inside circuses all over South America. And they filmed and photographed what they found. And then when we launched the results of the investigation, um, we got bans in uh, five countries, one after the other, very, very quickly. And this was because the public was so shocked at what they saw. You know, everyone imagines when you go to the circus, it's fun, it, you know, it's a show, it's for enjoyment. And what you don't realize is 
how the animals are treated behind the scenes. And so that's essentially uh, what the story of Lion Ark is about. But what we wanted to do with the movie was um, to make it uh, uh, interesting and enjoyable and inspiring. And so it's very fast moving. Uh, it's a quick pace. And, uh, you know, there are jokes and there are lighter side and you see the fun side of what we do, as well as rescuing the animals. And um, it's a really good way of showing, using Bolivia as our story, how they uh, saw the evidence and they uh, banned animal circuses. And then it was time to remove the animals from the illegal circuses. And we did that with the government and, and uh, brought them back, uh, brought them here to the US and uh, where they're now um, safely in the sanctuary. So it's a good way of showing both, both what ADI does, which is campaign for animals and rescue them where we can, and also the heart of the Lion Ark story. You know, you mentioned you you did mention that there's a uh, circuses, and I've always been a little weary about circuses. I don't know why; I just never really got excited to go to them much. And I don't. I, I guess it may be because it's you know you got the clowns, and I'm kind of clownophobic. <laughs> but um, yeah. the, the animals, you know, I I do love that that you know to see these animals anytime I get a chance because they are beautiful creatures. But you know, I was always worried about a little bit of abuse, and I've seen it on TV and and stuff. Now, yours was in South America. I know here in America we have a lot of, uh, you know, animal animal protection laws and stuff like that. Do you still see the same problems that you saw down in Bolivia that you do in American circuses? Are they kind of the same, or is basically all circuses bad no matter where you go? Oh, absolutely, Jason. Uh, this is worldwide. It's the culture in circuses. Um, they all pretty much treat the animals the same. And um, uh, we've uh, filmed and photographed in the U.S. as well, all over the U.S. And behind the scenes, the animals um, suffer not only the deprivation of being forced to live in basically a box of wood and bark with, with nothing, nothing in there to interest them, but also... Um, uh, when workers are moving them around, their their method of doing that is to use weapons, a kick or a punch, um, a hit with a, a, a broom or a pitchfork or an iron bar. And that's the way they handle the animals. And we find the same culture everywhere. It's the attitude that the circuses have to the animals that they are just there. They're something, they're an attraction in a show. Mm -hmm. um, so they're there just to make money in the show and to move and do their performance when wanted and then go back into their box. And that whole attitude is, is what really creates um, the, uh, the, the kind of environment where abuse takes place. So certainly I would say to uh, everyone in uh, the U.S. is don't go to the animal circus. There is no way. Um, to use animals in traveling circuses without the animals being abused or suffering in some way. You know, one of the things that I've seen in these uh, circuses is that sometimes these animals do go rogue. And, you know, it, it's amazing how they, you know, use forceful uh, uh, tactics to try to bring it down. Either they shoot them or they tranquilize them really fast or they do something. But these animals are just doing, and they're not doing anything that they wouldn't do out in natural habitats. I mean, they're, they're going to protect themselves. They're going to be aggressive. They are, they are wild animals, even though they grew up in captivity. Um, what, what are some of the things that we can do to help prevent something like this? You know, even if you don't go, there's got to be other things that we can kind of do to bring awareness or um, try to help these animals that are in these uh, situations. Um, well, absolutely, uh, Jason. You hit the nail on the head there that they are wild animals. And they're only doing what comes naturally. And, uh, you know, the fact is that, uh, you know, uh, with wild animals, we have noticed that the violence is much more extreme because people are afraid of them. And because they're less willing, they're not domesticated animals. You know, horses and dogs and other animals, we've domesticated them 
uh, over tens of thousands of years and we've made them more compliant and more willing to do what humans want them to do. And that's not the case with these animals. And that really, I find, is the root of a lot of the violence because they are essentially wild. But there's a lot that people can do to help. You know, they can come on to our website. Um, they can uh, find us on Facebook. And there you can find out about the uh, information and materials we've got. But people can help us educate people, help us educate the public, um, educate children about what's really happening to the animals, and also educate uh, um, elected officials and, uh, and regulators. Uh, and let them know what actually happens behind the scenes. Because the bottom line is, nobody wants to see animals suffer for just a few minutes of entertainment. Mm. And we have found that on average, of a two-hour circus show, um, the animals are only less than 15 minutes of the whole show. So the shows can go on mm -hmm. using human performers, without the animals. And, and I think that's the education message we need to get out to uh, people. And whether it's your family or your friends or your colleagues at work, whether you make uh, an appointment to go and see your elected representative, all of that helps to defend these animals. What they need is legal protection. You know, there's there's something that I've also noticed in, in about uh, circuses and stuff like that, these traveling shows. It is not just the abuse that you see physically where they take them and hit, these, hit them and, you know, deprive them of food or push them in cages, but it's also breeding. Uh, I have actually seen, uh, there's, a, there's a place over here in Tampa called um, the, uh, uh, the Big Cat Rescue where they have had actually a, I believe it was a lion that was so inbred that, it had deformities on its face. Um, this is something that I don't think a lot of people know that goes on in these shows, but, you know, to keep these animals, they do breed them with their own parents and sometimes their own siblings, and you get severe deformations that will uh, hurt these animals forever. Um, have you seen a lot of that in the circuses yourself or other types of uh, entertainment venues that have these animals? Oh, we have seen so much of these um, uh, ailments, and uh, deformed bones and uh, poor health and uh, damaged immune systems because of inbreeding. And like you say, uh, they'll take a group of animals and just put them in a cage and leave them to breed. And it, it is, they're intensely inbred and it does cause health problems in the long term. And we have rescued many uh, animals with uh, similar health problems and uh, most commonly uh, deformed bones where their legs don't develop properly. And once that damage um, uh, is happens, it's very, very difficult to improve the situation for the animal. You can't cure it. or All you can do is do your best to make them as healthy as you can, but that damage will always be there. Now, once they are inbred and they do have damage from being inbred, um, is it possible to breed them with a, a, a non-family member uh, cat in their own or, or whatever animal it is in their own species and able to reverse some of that? I mean, can they can they successfully reproduce down the line or is it to the end of it so they, they don't pass down the genes? Um, I think the problem is that once the genetic damage has started, then it's going to get passed on. And uh, the problem the circuses have is that because the animals are just a commodity and it's easy come, easy go, and you just keep them in a cage, um, they don't have the inclination or the uh, ability to, um, to, to split up the families and bring in fresh genes and, uh, and uh, try to keep, keep a healthier a group of animals. I think the problem is that in those circumstances where the animals live in tiny cages on wheels, um, on the backs of trucks or in trailers, um, there is not the space um, that those animals need to keep them healthy and happy and, and to prevent these kinds of, of long-term problems. Mm -hmm. um, I, think, I don't think that they can get away from that in those circumstances. 
Well, that's really a shame to hear that. And fortunately, you know, they, they're, they're such an amazing animal, and they're so beautiful. And, and I don't think people understand the, the dangers that they face with these type of situations. Um, there's also things that, you know, there are ways of seeing in, these animals out in public, you know, zoos. Uh, sometimes there are other types of uh, sanctuaries and stuff. Have you found the same type of problems in zoos and other, and other sanctuaries? And should we also just, you know, boycott zoos, even though they do have a, a, a good way to learn about these animals? Well, uh, from Animal Defenders International's uh, perspective, um, when we look at what zoos are, they are essentially a business, and they're a place of entertainment. And we don't think they're the best way to find out about animals. It's rather like um, looking at an animal and finding out what its name is, um, find out a bit about the species, and treat it like an object on a shelf that you just bring down, you have a look at it, and you put it back up on the shelf. And, uh, you know, these are, are living, living, intelligent, emotional creatures with their own cultures and uh, their own need for a family life. I think the best way for us to find out about these animals is from uh, how the animals live in the wild. And certainly wildlife films, um, TV shows, um, can teach us a lot more about the beauty of these animals um, than in captive situations. The fact is that keeping these animals captive and breeding them in captivity hasn't helped the animals in the wild. Um, it, all it seems to do is help to stimulate people trying to take more animals to the, from the wild to sell them to zoos. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, we're about three quarters of the way through, so I want to get into more of the movie, too, and, and kind of get your idea of what made you want to decide to create a movie like this, um, you know, for the public to see. Well, um, and, uh, Tim Phillips and the director and I um, have uh, made together lots of uh, different films about animals over the years, and, you know, the key thing that we felt with this movie was that there is the, the, the potential in this story for it to be more inspiring and uplifting than a lot of the uh, movies that are made about um, issues to do with animals. A lot of the subjects we deal with are sad and the animals are in trouble and really we wanted to turn this into something that people could come out feeling positive about, which the whole style of the movie is more action adventure style than documentary and uh, as i say you've got a real story there and we've got some um amusing scenes and uh, some jokes in the movie just to give kind of a lighter side so that people can see that you can just all work together and you can save animals but also there is room for some the lighter side of life as well And I think one of the key things with these animals is that we wanted people to make a connection with the animals themselves. If you think about something like lions and a lot of the wild animals, when we look at them, we don't really recognize what they're expressing. A lot of the reasons they suffer is because people don't understand their behavior. And certainly with lions, they don't have the facial muscles like we do. They can't express themselves to us in a way that we understand. And uh, we wanted to get really in close, up close and personal with the animals and with um, the rescue team and get people to make a connection with those individual animals that we were rescuing and see how those animals were feeling about their situation. And uh, we're really pleased that so many people come out Uh, of the movie saying that they never thought that they would make a personal connection with a lion and through the movie they've been able to see that and uh, really understand something about what those animals are are kind of thinking and feeling you can see the expressions in their face Um, and the first time there are lots of wonderful scenes of the first time the circus lions ever see hay we give them some hay in their cages and they've never seen it in their lives. And it's like domestic cats with catnip, the, uh, the herb. 
and how they love to play and roll in it. And um, the lions play and roll in the hay, and you can see the joy on their faces. And so it's it's a wonderful feeling to be able to make that connection. And we, we're, we're pleased we've managed to do that with the film. And um, we've won, um, I think, about 11 or so awards um, at the film festival uh, festivals, mostly audience choice. And we feel that that shows that we've got people to make that connection. That's awesome. And, and to be able to do that, you know, it's hard to do that in art to begin with, but to be able to do it with animals is even more intense. How did you, how did you manage to uh, film it so that way you would find that connection? Well, I, we, 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 we took it step by step and we, we kind of followed the way we felt about the things that we were doing. So the whole point of the film is that the story is told by the people who are there. And uh, we wanted to show we're, we're an ordinary group of people who we decided to do something. And it shows how we went about uh, doing the thing that we wanted to do, the achievement in um, getting these animals away from the circuses, um, getting into our temporary uh, rescue centre in Peru, and then finding the homes and uh, uh, flying them to their, their, their new homes. And um, I think that it, it was really that we were doing it from our own personal perspective. We were able to show um, the connection with those animals. And, of course, uh, we were in the unusual position that we were really uh, close to the animals, really up close and personal, and, and uh, you could see right into their eyes. And um, this it really made a difference, the fact that, the, the the lions didn't mind us being so close and uh, we were moving them about um, in their cages from cage to cage and you could see exactly how they were thinking about things. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry, I think I said our rescue centre in Peru just then I meant um, Bolivia, of course. It, I suppose we've just finished another rescue, but the lion arc is about the Bolivia rescue. That's what I'm talking about. Interesting. Well, we got about a minute and a half to two minutes left, so please tell everybody how they can find out more about Animal uh, Defenders International and how they can see their movie. Oh, absolutely. Um, well, uh, first of all, the, come on to our website, uh, come on to uh, ad-international.org and uh, key in Lion Arc and you'll find out all about the movie. Uh, we also have a website for the movie, uh, lionarkthemovie.com and you can see the schedule of screenings there and also all about um, when the DVD is coming out. Uh, we're also on Facebook. We're, um, we're posting every day um, about this tour. Um, we're in uh, New York tonight uh, and then in a couple of days we're in New Jersey and then Chicago um, Tampa, Portland, and Seattle, and uh, Oakland Zoo will be doing a screening. So it's a, a good tour, and we hope that people will come along and meet us. We love meeting people who um, want to see the movie and, and like this kind of movie, and we love talking to them about Lion Up. We're doing a Q&A session after each screening, and uh, we're going to be carrying the DVDs around with us if people want to get a DVD. So um, go to go to us on Facebook, go to lionarkthemovie.com and go to ad-international.com. Sorry, I'll say that again, ad-international.org. No problem. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This has been very educational, and I really hope it opens up people's eyes to seeing what's actually going on behind the scenes of some of our favorite entertainers. Uh, thank you so much, Jason, for inviting me along. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Oh, you're welcome. All right, guys, we are going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we got so much more, so don't go anywhere. Do you love horror, the strange and unusual fantasy creatures or urban legends? Do you want to step inside a dream or nightmare? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you should check out internationally exhibiting artist Jason Dowd 
and his award-winning photographic collections by visiting www.imaginationartstudios.com. Get inside his mind and experience his inner weird. <laughs> Hi, this is Dina Martin, and you are listening to the AME Radio Show. It's fantastic. One of my favorites. From our family to yours. Season's greetings from the AME Experience. Uh, I, I hope you like it. I'll have a, 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 a blue a, a Christmas a, 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 a without you. I'll feel so ever be ever be blue. It'll be just thinking about you. It'll be decorations of red on a green Christmas tree. It won't be the same, dear, if you're not here with me. And when those be blue, it's snowflakes, it start falling. It'll be that too. When those be blue, in the memories, it start calling. You'll be doing all right with your quick I'll be a white, it'll be but I'll ever be a blue, it'll be a blue, blue, blue Christmas. Oh, baby, I'll miss you. All right, guys, we are back, and I hope you enjoyed our guests that we had on today because I know they enjoyed speaking to you. I hope you enjoyed our Christmas music. We're going to have a lot more of that coming out through the rest of the year. And I hope that you guys are getting out and putting up your Christmas decorations and maybe driving around to see the lights around town. You know, getting in that Christmas spirit. If you happen to be in Orlando, Florida, there is a brand new light show at Disney Springs. They're going to do it with drones. That's going to be very interesting to see. And the cool thing about it is it's free to get into Disney Springs. The only thing that you have to pay for is shopping. Uh, even, Even parking is usually free. So go check that out if you have a chance. There's going to be a lot of other Christmas specials coming up. We have Christmas in uh, Bush Gardens. They have a Christmas uh, entertainment thing that you that was I actually went to last year. I really enjoyed it. Um, there's probably a lot more places doing stuff like that this year. So keep your eyes out. Check out the local listings that you have. See what's out there and go enjoy it with your family. Now, it is the end of the year, and that means we're going to have a little bit of downtime for, for some of us, not all of us. But if you happen to have a Christmas break or, you know, starting up school next season or whatever it may be, maybe you're going to take a, a, an extended vacation for the end of the year. Maybe you didn't take it at the beginning of the year. This is a great time to get out there and try some new artwork. And I hope that all of the guests that we've had on this year have inspired you to try something new. And... You know, one of the things that you can possibly do if you haven't tried anything yet is to go out there and make gifts for people. There's nothing more special than, than, than to receive a gift from the labor of your own hands because it means that you thought enough about them to sit down and create something that you know or hope that they will like. Maybe that's a new hat. Maybe that's a new type of T-shirt. Maybe it's some ph- photographs or a sculpture or something. But, man, I'll tell you what, there's nothing better than a homemade gift to say I love you. All right, guys, so that is about all we have for you. Come join us right here, same time, same place, same channel next week on uh, for the AME telev- uh, radio show, which you can find on WKLAP every Friday at 12 o'clock Eastern Standard Time and on AMFM 247 and all their AM and FM stations across the United States every Saturday at 5 p.m. and on iHeart On Demand 
we are there. All you have to do is go to their go to the app and look up the AME Radio Show. We also have a brand new television show coming out here in just the next couple of days. So keep checking out for that. We're going to have some cool guests on the way for you. So that's all we have for you for this week. Come back next week, same time, same channel. Have a great week. Stay safe and keep those creative juices flowing. That's the end. We're done. Calm down, people. Calm down. Okay? That's it.